You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia, and today the topic of our podcast is that lingering pain and why it won't go away. So many people after being in narcissistically abusive relationships are still feeling the pain long after the relationship has ended. And a common question I get is why? Why is it that I still feel sadness and pain? Even though I know that person isn't good for me and has done so many horrible things to me in our relationship, it seems I should be angry and not want anything to do with that person, right? Well, most people on a conscious level really don't want anything to do with that person. They may have gone no contact and have been very disciplined in keeping the rules of no contact. There is the promise that The longer you go no contact, the better it gets. So why, after months of no contact, does that nagging pain and sadness persist? Well, in this episode, we're going to do a deep dive into that lingering pain and give you tools to deal with this. Now, there's several reasons that this pain persists. One is that you are mourning the loss of the dream, Two, you're mourning the loss of a part of yourself that is still missing. Three, you're mourning the loss of who you believed that person to be. Four, you're experiencing cognitive dissonance. Five, you still believe on some level that that person is your soulmate or twin soul. Six, You can't get over how fast that person moved into another relationship. And seven, you're struggling with feelings that you don't matter, you weren't important, you weren't lovable, you weren't enough, and other core pain and core shame feelings. So let's start with mourning the loss of the dream. In the beginning of your relationship with a narcissist or a sociopath, You entered a dream world. It's typical we project a fantasy onto the love object in our lives, but the narcissist goes right along with the fantasy, love bombing and using words like soulmate and twin flame. You may be told that he or she felt that they've known you all of their lives or that they must have known you in a past life. They've never felt like this before and have never known anyone like you before. You come to believe that you too are the one that person has been waiting for and that there's a wholeness in your coming together. It's it's a divine guidance of some sort that you're brought together. The projection of the idealized love object is very enticing and seductive in so many ways. For a brief moment in time, 
you feel that you've met your divine counterpart. You are so much in love and you have finally found what you've been searching a lifetime for. You are ill-prepared for the devaluing that is sure to come when involved in a relationship with a narcissistic person. You may go from being the best thing that ever happened to that person to the worst person they've ever known. And this pill is a really difficult one to swallow. It's extremely painful and it feels like a very deep betrayal. In situations like this, the mind doesn't know what to do with it. So the first thing it does is come to a belief that the person doesn't really mean those horrible things that they said and are just having a bad day or a bad week. You ride out the storm waiting for your beloved to come back. And sometimes the beloved does come back and you re-experience idealization and then devaluation. Sometimes once you've been devalued, the devaluing continues and you're still waiting for the beloved to come back. It's difficult for the mind to wrap around this idea that you had found your one true love only to have that person turn on you. So that is an unfulfilled promise. Some people unwilling to give up the dream, the fantasy of ideal love, remain in that relationship waiting for the return of the idealized love object. Until the abuse, the cheating, betrayals, lies, and devaluing are so bad that you can't turn a blind eye anymore. Either you accept that this person isn't who you believed them to be and you end the relationship, or they sense that you are on to them and they leave for another source of supply. The new source of supply is a source of pain for you because it's proof that the specialness you believed you had found with this person wasn't real. They could just transfer their affections and all the special love they gave to you in the beginning to the new person. And you're left in the cold, grieving the loss, not of that person really, but of the dream you'd built with that person, the dream you held tightly too, while your world was falling apart. Dreams of ideal love die hard. You really may have never felt that way before and still somewhere inside of you is a belief that this person is somehow still your true love who has gone astray. It can be very difficult to truly give up and accept reality as reality presents itself. You may have dreams at night about that person, which keep them in your consciousness. You may obsess about them or ruminate about them, trying to make sense of it all. You may feel possessed by them as if you are possessed by the devil himself. You may feel as if that person took a piece of your soul, which brings me to the next reason we can't rid ourselves of the deep pain. And that's that we often find ourselves mourning the loss of a part of ourselves that's still missing. 
We may not realize while in a relationship like this how we give pieces and parts of ourselves away. We don't recognize that our beloved is actually an energy vampire, slowly siphoning our precious life force energy. We may not realize this until we're drained and depleted. We are the proverbial frog in the pot of water, slowly turning the heat up to boiling. We become increasingly comfortable with the toxic reality, jumping through the narcissistic hoops, defending ourselves against their accusations, being accused of all kinds of things that have nothing to do with reality. We experience extremes in gaslighting, and our reality becomes confused. We so subtly give those pieces and parts of ourselves away, we barely notice it at the time. And the narcissist keeps on taking and taking, blaming us for all the issues in the relationship. And if we're codependent, we keep trying to fix it, to make it better, to talk reason, to talk sense to the narcissist until we turn blue from lack of life force, but not for lack of trying. What we don't realize is that all the effort we're putting into the relationship is supply. We're supplying the narcissist with a ton of attention and energy, even if it feels dark or negative. We put a tremendous amount of our life force into trying to resolve the continuous conflicts with the narcissist and get back to the love and the peace that we felt in the beginning. Over the course of the relationship, we may have given up our friends because the narcissist found fault with them or had issues with us spending time away from that person, which equals time without supply. You may have unknowingly created issues in your family and don't see them much anymore. You may have lost your job because of all the chaos and crisis that has now become your life. You may have dropped out of school and or all the activities that you once used to enjoy. You may have given up your art, music, me time, hours lingering over a good book, giving more and more of your time and attention to the hungry narcissist catering to his or her demands. You're not only slowly drained of your life force energy, but you're separated from your life. Your life has now become about pleasing that narcissistic person, jumping through his or her hoops, and even trying to get them to see you as good again. You may be reeling in pain and shame, feeling that you've fallen from grace, and try so hard to get back up on that pedestal. But in a sense, the narcissist has you right where he or she wants you. They have control over you and have succeeded at getting your energy through their ceaseless games. It's typical in relationships like this that when you hit bottom, you are completely depleted, frustrated, and beginning to feel really defeated. The narcissist will often do the final discard at this point and leave you scraping the bottom of the barrel, energetically depleted, confused, and shamed. 
Meanwhile, the narcissist doesn't miss a beat, saddling the next source of supply, moving right in, and starting the whole process all over again. You may have nothing to fall back on because you've given up so much for that narcissist. Your friends don't want to hear about it because they've been warning you for a long time. They may feel that you've discarded them for your toxic relationship, and they simply are no longer interested in having you as a friend. You may be so energetically depleted that you yourself begin to come across as an emotional vampire, continuously talking about the relationship, obsessing, ruminating, and burning out whatever support systems you may have left. Because you're energetically depleted, you may not feel any inspiration whatsoever to do anything that once brought you joy and contentment. You may not even be able to work your job or look for a job if you've already lost it because you have no energy and are emotionally unstable as a result of the relationship that you were in. You may feel lost, empty, and feel as if life has lost all meaning and purpose. You may even have given up on life altogether, completely losing your will to live. You may have suicidal ideation, and some of you may have even attempted suicide. You may have hit the bottle, become an alcoholic or a drug addict in effort to avoid the deep pain and loss that you feel. You may feel life's just not fair. You gave so much of yourself to this relationship and the narcissist just chucked it all for someone else and hasn't looked back. You may feel foolish and wonder why you fell for all the lies and the manipulation. You may feel really used. This may contribute to your lack of will to live because who wants to live in a world where there are people who do this kind of thing to innocent people? People who just wanted to love and be loved. So where did the you that you were before you met the narcissist go? You once saw yourself as strong, confident, fit, successful, happy, and energetic. And now, now you're a shell of your former self. And you have no idea how to get you back. There may be a belief that you want the narcissist back because you remember who you were in the beginning when you first got involved with each other. But what you're really wanting back is the you that was abandoned in order to be in a relationship with a narcissist. Once again, it was such a slow process of giving up everything that was you that you might not have even seen it happening until it was too late. Because the narcissist took the place of all the things you once used to do. He or she took all of your time and attention, even if it was through being sucked into their chaos and drama 24-7. You're grieving the loss of you. The you that you once were. You're grieving the pieces and parts of your soul that were lost, stolen, and given away. Now you're also possibly mourning the loss of who you believed that narcissistic person to be. 
You may remember how you kept trying to see the good in that person, believing underneath it all he or she was a good person who genuinely loved you. You may see he or she was in deep pain and so you did your best to help them heal and see the good in them. You may not have believed that person was really capable of lying, cheating, stealing, betraying, conning, and whatever else you discovered was going on. You did a sales job on yourself, convincing yourself it was a different story than what you were actually observing. But sooner or later, you have to face the facts and see the narcissist for who and what he or she is. You have to pack away the fantasies and the fairy tales and face reality, as hard as it may be. This person wasn't your soulmate, your best friend, your greatest love, the one true love who would always be there no matter what. You have to face the lie. You have to face that this person lied about who they were and what their intentions were with you. They may have been unconscious of their lies, but they still betrayed your confidence in them and proved to be something else entirely. Even after this person is long gone, maybe even married to the new supply, you may still believe they will come back to you one day when they realize the big mistake that they've made. But in order to recover, you have to accept that this person is really quite incapable of offering you any kind of genuine love, respect, or care. You have to accept the truth so you can let the narcissist in your life go once and for all and go about the business of rebuilding your shattered life. There's no going back. Going back would mean going back to the pain, the drama, the chaos, the lies, the cheating, the abuse, and the devaluing. Ultimately, going back would mean being, being discarded again. So you need to grieve the loss of the fantasy lover and align with reality. That person was never who you believed him or her to be. Face the truth. Face reality. There is no such thing as ideal love. But there is such a thing as meeting someone who is capable of loving you and respecting you in a way that you deserve to be loved and respected. But you have to offer this to yourself first. So the next reason that we have difficulty letting go of the pain is experiencing cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is a state of being in two minds, really. This is when a part of you knows the person you were with was a toxic and abusive narcissist, and the other part of you still believes the two of you share a deep, abiding love. The two minds don't link up. They're confused with each other. It's hard to bridge the gap and see the true truth that lies somewhere between the two minds that you are in. Some say cognitive dissonance is a conflict between the head and the heart, the mind and the emotions, which can be true as well. The head says, don't you dare respond to that message. And the heart says, oh, he misses me. I need to respond because I miss him too. So there's a deep conflict between the two aspects of self. 
I had a client who was in a horribly abusive, degrading, disrespectful relationship with a lying, cheating narcissist who was clearly using her. He had a key to her house and would come and go as he pleased, coming home to her when he didn't have someone else lined up to sleep with that night. I suggested she change the lock on her doors and put his stuff outside, send him one final message giving him a deadline to pick up his stuff before she drops it off at the Goodwill, and then block all avenues of contact. Well, for me, this is tough love. Sometimes we just have to say it as it is. But I received a message from her telling me that she couldn't continue therapy because she had to follow her heart. Her heart was telling her to keep letting him in, to use her for a place to live when it was convenient. Her heart still needed to believe it was love, but it wasn't love. She was being used, and anyone outside of the situation could see this. Although the conscious mental part of her knew that she needed to move him out of her life, her emotional side just couldn't let him go. She needed to believe he really loved her. When we agree to be used, we will be. Narcissists will take advantage of our cognitive dissonance and our need to believe on an emotional level that they love us. They can just swoop in when convenient, and say, baby, I love you. But the level of respect and care and demonstrations of love are completely lacking. Our stories often die hard. We hold on to our beliefs that this is love when everything demonstrated by this narcissistic person tells us it's not love. We stop having cognitive dissonance when our mind and our heart or those two aspects of ourselves that are in conflict get on the same page. That page may simply be to make the statement, this person is not good for me. If you can get both parts of you to agree to this one statement, you can eventually condition yourself to the new reality. Which brings us to the next thing or belief that keeps us stuck in pain. And that is that you still believe on some level this person is your soulmate or your twin soul. Now, I've done entire episodes on this one because it's really big. The narcissist is a master at getting you to believe that the two of you share a great love in the beginning. And that idea of the soulmate that you've been waiting a lifetime for is difficult to let go of. The narcissist will also use this to suck you back into the relationship when he or she needs supply. To believe that there is one person who is ideally suited to be with you sets up a level of scarcity in your life. There can be no other for you because That person is the one. But the narcissist doesn't seem to have an issue finding other great loves and soulmates. They just jump from one to the next. If we are to heal and grow beyond this relationship, we have to accept the reality that this person is not good for you. And why would the creator want you to spend your life pining away for someone who treats you badly? How could that be? 
If you believe that you don't deserve anything better than this, then it's time for therapy to help you boost your self-worth and heal all those layers of core shame that keep you believing in your inherent worthlessness. Our true happiness comes from seeing ourselves as worthy. When we truly see ourselves as worthy, we will no longer allow people to mistreat us. So let go of the soulmate myth and become your own soulmate, someone worthy of all the good things life has to offer, including real, authentic love. Now, the next reason that we tend to stay stuck in that pain is that We can't get over how fast that person moved into another relationship. What we have to realize about narcissists is that they can never have just one person in their lives. They're addicted to supply, and having one source of supply is death to them. It's like a drug addict having only one source to get his drug. If he's addicted to that drug and one supplier is out of that drug, he needs to be able to call another supplier to get the drug. Being without that drug is not an option. So we're in these fantasy relationships, believing that our beloved is truly devoted to us, but when they leave the house, they have several other sources that they're grooming or even having a full-on relationship with, and you may not know anything about this. So when one relationship begins to go south, there's often several other options that they can upgrade from secondary sources of supply to the primary source of supply. Because of this dynamic, the narcissist doesn't have to get out and meet somebody new really quickly. They already have options waiting in the wings for when you realize that they're not who they're pretending to be. When you begin to see just how toxic and abusive they are, someone else is telling them that they're the most amazing person they've ever met. And the new person is happy to invite the narcissist into their lives. In fact, the new supply may have been secretly hoping your relationship would fail so that they could be with the narcissist. And this is because the narcissist has already been love bombing them by telling them things like, she doesn't understand me the way that you do, or she doesn't see the good in me like you do, etc., We often make the mistake of believing the narcissist is like us. We could never move into another relationship after the crazy-making, annihilating relationship we're coming out of. We couldn't even pretend if we wanted to. We're heartbroken, depleted, and traumatized. And the last thing any of us who are victims of narcissistic abuse want to do is to get into another relationship. So how can it be so easy for them? And how can they make it look like they've now found their ideal, their new soulmate, their new twin flame? Well, remember back to the beginning of your relationship. And I know this is hard, but the whole love bombing idealization of you is part of the narcissist pattern of sucking in a new source of supply. The new source is in the idealization phase, and you may somehow believe 
It's true just as you believed it was true with you. But it isn't true. It's a scam. And if you can continue to remind yourself this is a scam, the new person is being played just like you were. You will come to realize that the narcissist didn't ever move on. He or she is just playing the same game as always with another player, with someone who still is willing to play these kinds of games. You're not, and good for you. Now you can get yourself back, rebuild your life, and find a love that is true because the narcissist never will. The narcissist will just continue to use people as a source of supply, playing this same game of idealization, devaluing, discarding, and repeating the cycle, either with you or with somebody else. And finally, we get stuck in the pain because we're struggling with feelings that we don't matter that we weren't important, that we weren't lovable, that we weren't enough, and other core pain and shame feelings. We all tend to struggle with our core shame at the end of a relationship with a narcissist. And this is because we're initially put on a pedestal and made to feel that we're so amazing, beautiful, loving, caring, talented, and special Being told these things may have helped to initially bolster our feelings of self-worth, but when the devaluing begins, we struggle with the belief that what the narcissist is saying about us is true. We go from being raised up to pulled down. When the narcissist makes you the most important person in their world, You feel that you're important to them, that you really matter to them, that they want you, they need you, they truly love you. But you come to realize this isn't true, it was never true. When you're devalued and pulled down, you lose your importance to that person, at least it feels that way. And you no longer feel that you matter. You don't feel lovable to that person. You never feel like you can be enough. They find fault with everything about you. They become the negative voice in your head that continuously tells you how worthless you are. You may fight against that voice, but in a sense, you often wonder if they were right about you. Maybe you are worthless, and this is why they treat you so badly. Maybe you aren't important, which is why they're running off with others. Maybe you really aren't lovable. When the final discard happens or when you've had enough and end the relationship yourself, the narcissist, if not hoovering you, will go into major devaluation of you, which leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. We often assign the duty to others to affirm and validate us. We want others to show us our worth and value. But nobody else can do this. Only we can validate ourselves, really, which is good because when we assign such an important task to another, we're handing them our power. So it's time to take back the power you assign to the narcissist to tell you who you are. Only you know who you are. 
It may be helpful to adopt the belief that the beauty and the magnificence the narcissist saw in you in the beginning was real. It really was. I was listening to a video recorded by a self-proclaimed female narcissist who said that the things we like about you in the beginning, we do like about you, she says. You know, it's not that they quit liking that about you. It's more that their awfulness is projected onto you in the end or even during the course of the relationship. It's really how that narcissist truly feels about himself or herself because all narcissists project. They project their own feelings of worthlessness, feelings of inadequacy, their pain, rage, and anger onto you. So claim the you that was idealized in the beginning and reject the devaluation as a projection of their own repressed or suppressed feelings. Now, we all have core shame and feelings of inadequacy, but those feelings can be magnetized in our relationship with people who are negative, who project and blame. So understand that when you're feeling so worthless and inadequate that you may have some of these feelings inside of you even before you met the narcissist, but the narcissist amplified these feelings through his or her devaluation of you. So once again, it's time to take back your power and recognize your own worthiness and value. Recognizing all of these reasons that the horrific pain after narcissistic abuse may still be lingering is helpful, but it doesn't mean that it will automatically resolve you of your pain. You have to allow yourself to grieve these ideas and illusions that you've been holding on to. Let them go and grieve the losses and call back the parts of yourself that you've lost in the fire. Maybe those parts have been transformed like the phoenix rising from the ashes of destruction. You will never be the same, but that doesn't mean you can't be better. You can be. It's important that you never give the narcissist the power to tell you who you are. They have no idea who you are. They never really knew the true you, but you know you. So take yourself back. You're not a toy to be played with. You're not someone to be messed with. You're a good, valuable, and lovable human being who is worthy of so much better. So on your way to greatness, remember that it's often through our greatest adversity that we find our greatest strength. Let go of all that you are not. Let go of those who would have you believe that you are not and claim all that you are. This is your true victory. If you need help working through this pain and letting go of these false beliefs or these beliefs that keep you stuck, go ahead and contact me through my website at NarcissismFree.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next podcast.